What up? This is Yinka Dez. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about TV once again. Right. If y'all have been staying up, BET released their Bobby Brown story to follow up the New Edition story. That was yeah. three parts. This one is two parts. A lot of fanfare to the, the New Edition episode. So I guess we had to do this one uh, for sure as well. And we have a special guest. Panama, go ahead. Say what's up. What's going on? Panama Jackson, very smart brothers here to chop it up about the world's greatest R&B entertainer, Bobby Brown. There we go. (laughs) Sound like uh, Whitney on that one. We finally got Panama (laughs) back in the studio. For folks who have been fans of the podcast for a while, you will hear us from time to time talk about this infamous episode that never dropped because the recording of it got screwed up. But we had Panama back in here. Early on in the podcast, we were we had like a three and a half hour long Man, conversation. It was mad long. Lost. It was dope. There was a lot of insights on, in both directions. Um, I think he dropped that uh, Cameron had the most the most potential ever <laughs> as a hip hop artist, I something I still like that. Stand we, by that yes. we, we we had we had a lot of things that need to be explained out of that episode that y'all never heard but uh and it's crazy too if you ever think that someone like yinka has an encyclopedic knowledge of hip-hop music just wait till you hear this dude panama this for sure, for sure. pretty much every single album knows it like top to bottom yeah. anyway but we're going to talk about this bobby brown so yeah i guess we should just get into it right away just off the top what y'all think I enjoyed it, even though I thought it was... Uh, I like the first episode more than the second. Okay. The second, I thought, got a little bit too much into Bobby becoming some victim that we all... Oh I struggle yeah. with Bobby Brown <laughs> being a victim here. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, like, Whitney well. was pure trash the <laughs> oh entire second, yeah. the oh second episode. And listen, I don't... Historically, we all yeah. wanted to paint Bobby as the bad boy, and then, like, yeah. I think... More recently, we've all come to accept that Whitney is probably not... She was definitely a significant right. part of it, but good lord i mean they it was like a bad it was like an abuse session right and the there. second the second one was also very dark like i mean it was just at one point i think the last hour was just funeral 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 well, but that's um, what happened though and i mean, was, I, mean I, I think it was within a two-year period he lost both of his parents whitney and his daughter fair or point, three right? year period so, yeah. something something crazy. fair point but you also highlight what you highlight yeah and i feel like it played into the whole narrative of like bobby is the victim right yeah. and that's just like all this bad shit happened to him in the second half. Like that was that was like the whole second half. <laughs> I, I think for me, the thing that kind of frustrated me about the particular episode, and definitely, I mean, they made Whitney look horrible. But we'll talk about it in a second. But I don't think it was edited particularly well. Right. And part of that had to do with the fact that I guess that part where he reunites with New Edition, they kind of covered that in the New Edition story. Yeah. But they skip a lot. Oh man. Yeah. And they they skip a lot frequently. Like they yeah. they they skip like two or three years more than one time. They they just Yo, skip this. Stuff. Can we talk about how in both movies we did not get the Bad Boy album? Like I, I just wanted to see what happened. Like why did why did they call Puff? Did Puff call them first? What transpired that created this Bad Boy album? And they didn't talk about it on this one either. I was hella disappointed. The Home Again album. Nah, the um, Wasn't that, the, that was. It was called One Love. Oh, the one yes, that had Hot yeah, Tonight hot on. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. B2K record. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm guessing everybody kind of just wrote that off in their taxes. <laughs> I mean, it just you know it it made me like, I, like I wonder how how that happens, right? Like how grown ass men decide that they want to get the band back together and like and just do it and and it sounded like it could be like a victory, but they'd never even mention it. I mean, if the album wasn't a success, why would they spend a lot of time talking about it? You talk about the movie, right? Yeah, in both movies. One of the challenges that they have, right? Whenever you put any kind of story together, especially if it's a biopic, right? Like, the advantage that they have doing it on TV is that it doesn't have to be all that super compelling, right? Yeah. Like, when you do something for cinema, it has to have a, a strong story arc. And when yeah. you do something in real life, those story arcs don't always translate well to, to screen. Speaking of story arcs, the way they ended this movie was lazy as fuck. With exactly. The, with the, exactly. like, okay, well, we trash. gotta end it with a cookout because every music trash. movie ends with the cookout. It, 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 <laughs> it was it was reflective. It was a little bit too reflect, like yeah. fake reflective on for Bobby. Like, oh, look at look at where I've look at where I've gotten in life. I'm at this cookout with my family, and they all. Funny enough, because his sister was trashing them right after oh, the movie comes right out. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, so, I heard about. She said she's making her own movie. Oh, is she? Yeah, she oh, was like, wow. she was like, I've, I already got the director. Like, she she wrote all these tweets talking I mean, about like the struggle of making a movie when you're alive. You're gonna yeah. slant it. I mean, yeah. the Temptations oh, movie is one of my favorite movies, but <laughs> right. 
pretty much everybody died by the time Otis gets to drop this movie. Except exactly. I think Dennis Edwards might not have been dead when they made the movie. Okay. And I feel like he wanted to sue Otis over the movie. <laughs> Yo, because Otis was like the only level-headed person in the whole movie based on the way it was and, told. And if you let, anybody coming to see you, Otis. Listen, right. if you let Otis... I, I listened to... Um, Quest Love Supreme and uh-huh. and Otis Williams was on there and he's mm-hmm. telling the temptation story. I guess this is probably true. Or I, nobody else can deny <laughs> it. But you know, he's like, I'm the one that kept everybody together. I'm right. basically the one that kept the group together. And that could be true. Mm-hmm. But it seems like so suspicious because there's nobody else that, right. that can verify this. Like nobody <laughs> else is out here like, yeah, it was really Otis, man. Right. Oh, if it wasn't for Otis, if it wasn't for Otis, this whole and, temptation thing would never worked out. And on the real, that's my issue with all these Bobby books and everything now, right? Like he's like, yo, Whitney cheated on me more than I did. You know, they she's, didn't show that, she started they alluded. They, they heavily they alluded. Implied it. Yeah. They right. heavily implied um, it. She she brought drugs to the relationship. She did this, she did that. But it's like it was all like after she passed, all of a sudden, like all these revelations about their relationship come from Bobby. And it's just like, why did you why well, did I you think wait a lot to tell of that, that before she died though, there was a lot of speculation about the fact that she was the the drug influence in the relationship. Like, there's been more specifics. Point even mm-hmm. New Edition. They were even yeah. the folks in New Edition was talking about how how yeah. she effectively was the was the druggie. Have right. either of you seen the Whitney documentary that was released? I have not nah, seen it. I didn't so watch it either. I heard it's great. Though. A friend of yeah. mine watched it, and okay. she said there was a lot of information that she didn't know. She's not the the biggest Whitney fan, okay, but she's you know obviously has a great deal of respect for Whitney. And I called her the other day, and I was like, "Yo, was it really?" Whitney who brought the drug influence into the relationship and she said yeah according to the documentary they right. do kind of highlight that right. because it was right around basically it's like what you were talking about how they trash Whitney yeah. like I called her up and I was like yo like this Bobby Brown story is really really trashing Whitney I mean yeah. they make her seem like the worst person in the world <laughs> and like look they definitely say that Bobby Brown has his problems but yeah. the movie is slanted in the way that like oh Bobby Brown is he's trying but like he's his own worst enemy but yeah. like he actually cares about life yeah. whereas they make Whitney seem like she doesn't care about life at Yo, all but but the the executive producer is his now wife yeah. right oh, so it's oh, like it's uh, like Alicia the Etheridge? other woman yeah. is gonna tell the story oh and like, they make her seem like an yeah, angel she's seem like an angel she's the whole like time. the best person in the whole world like she's just so she's sweet just stuck by him the whole time Jeez. she was just yeah. chilling <laughs> I, I felt that, again that is the problem of biopics <laughs> especially when the people are living yeah. they get to tell their story the way they want to. i mean let's right. let's be real Straight out of Compton, right? I love the movie. Mm-hmm. MC Ren and Yellow might as well have just been footnotes. <laughs> and I mean, if, if I'm them, I feel a way about my portrayal in the movie or lack thereof. For right. real. Like they're very barely there. Whereas, yeah. you know, Easy heavily represented, but you can't tell the NWA story without him. Exactly. Right. And then Dre and Q were these central figures in the movie, but they right. also made the movie, right? Right, right. So I think it goes it goes two ways, right? On one hand, without Dre and Cube and Easy E, we don't even have the NWA. Like you could very well make mm-hmm. that argument. And it's not that Yella and Ren don't have contributions. It's not like they don't have a story that is worthy of being told. Mm-hmm. But if you're Cube and you're Dre, it's like, look, this is my story. Yeah. I can see why they they highlighted that. Yeah. Ren could have used a little more screen time is all I'm <laughs> yes, saying. I like know, my man, like they were they were part again. of it's the NWA supergroup, right? Like they yeah. were considered I mean Yella produced more than he gets credit for. Yep. Right? Outside of Cube, once Cube leaves, right. Ren is the is the best writer in the group. Ren yeah. is the writer. DLC and Ren barely it, gets any love, and right. DLC was essential yeah. to NWA yeah, before exactly. he goes to, before he gets to the Dre part. And, and Ren is the the one. He's kind of the edge. Like I mean, outside of Easy, he's kind of the edge of the group. He's the one guy who's actually writing his own lyrics. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, I, I feel like I would have wanted to know a little bit more about how he contributed. I think that personality where they probably where the storytelling kind of suffers is in the fact that we don't really even know where Ren comes from other than the fact that he's Easy's yeah, boy, exactly. right? Like, at least when we meet Yella, we understand, according to the movie, that Yella is working with Dre, right, right. with uh, whoever that R&B, Jerry, Her- Jerry Curled-ass, yeah, Chinese dude, dude, whoever the, that was, right? Oh, yeah. uh, and, Ye- and right on, when we Ren's meet Lonzo? Yella... Lonzo, 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 gonna respect these people's names. <laughs> hey, like, hey, hey, we're gonna respect these folks. These are these are pioneers. I'm, I, these look. are pioneers. Damn it! Like, we're gonna respect this. Either way, at least when we meet Yella, we uh-huh. see where he is working with Dre, right. and he's cracking jokes jokes right from the get go. Well, we Ren, know, I think Ren, has like Ren, ten lines in the whole thing. But, that, but that's my point. Like Ren was Ren was Easy Boy. They're from the yeah. same set. Yep. Like he, they're Kelly Park Compton Crips. Like they right. that he's one of his. He's, he's part of his. What is? 
Well, I mean, I always thought that was just kind of common knowledge. That that's yeah, but what, what we're but, saying is they didn't portray yeah. that at all. In that's what I'm movie. saying. Right, right, right. None, well, he says it in the movie. He's like, it's one of my boys from Kelly Park. He says that. Yeah. But I just think that, truth be told, maybe in the story of what makes NWA special, maybe Ren is not as big a contributor. However, this group, which was so influential... He got to be more influential than he, or more significant than it shows. No, I, f- I feel but, that. I think that's you know, fair. I think either that's way, fair. I mean, I'm getting off on a tangent about NWA. Yeah, and, so, and straight so, out of Compton, so let's but, bring it back to Bobby, right? Yeah, so, so anyway, we get this movie. First and foremost, how do you guys think it compares to the new edition movie? I think in some aspects it's better, but I think as an overall piece, I think the new edition one is, is better mm. in the sense that the new edition one actually kind of there's a central theme throughout it right mm-hmm. whereas i don't necessarily think this one has a central theme in the sense that you talked about how there's a lot of depth at the end of, of the story mm-hmm. but then there's no real resolution to that yeah. it's like bobby brown's resolution kind of happens before all that and look that's the way it happened in life mm-hmm. but there's no real theme there's no real central arc to it it's just like look these are all kind of the things that happen his resolution is i'm with my new chick and we're happy Ex- exactly that's that that's that's pretty much what it is. Right. I mean, like if if you think about it, this is a dude who whose life, in terms of how the movie portrays it, is always kind of centered around around a woman mm-hmm. and to some degree. And so by the time he finally finds the right woman, that's where his life comes together. I mean, that's pretty much what the lesson here is, if there mm-hmm. is one, right? Uh-huh. If there is one, okay. I'm not talking about this from a cinematic artistic point of view. That's pretty much what they did. Whereas in the new edition one, I mean, you've got this entire story about like. You know, family coming together, the Ralph Tresvent, should he have gone solo, should he have stayed with the group, mm-hmm. Ricky Bell's trials and tribulations, the business stuff with Biv, but it all kind of ties together nicely, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that that story overall was just better the way that they put that. So mm-hmm. I would say that the new edition one is better, but that's my take. I definitely like the new edition movie more. I thought from a TV show perspective, the editing was mad choppy on this one. Especially yeah. in part two. So part two, I thought was just too tragic it was ridiculous yeah. how it was portrayed it was skewed too heavily yeah. for that to be for me to take any of it seriously mm. i thought the first episode was just way too choppy in terms of his editing mm. like i i felt like i wasn't sure what story they were trying to tell so they yeah. tried to tell a bunch of them like mm-hmm. and because the new edition story exists they were trying to find a way to not retell that story yeah. and telling his story so they had a few elements they had to keep in there exactly um but largely i got Bobby had a really hard life early on, even though he had both of his parents, which we all tend to think if you got your parents then your life should be better. But, right, yeah, yeah. you know, he had a rough life. He made it despite having this rough life. He made a lot of bad choices, made, like all these things happen. And I think the new edition story was more balanced, maybe because more people had hands in it mm-hmm. in terms of telling their story. It took way longer to tell that story. Yeah. I mean, they were working on that for like 10 some years, right? Oh, were they really? Get, yeah, before they no, actually got it to to um tv yeah there were all kind of yeah, issues with contracts like, and exactly some people were they in it and some, some people were networks out, like, and it was yeah, i think was... bobby was in it sometimes then bobby was out sometimes <laughs> and it, you know like, as usual <laughs> yeah you know you got a lot of that stuff but i i thought the story itself was just better yeah um i do think it was a bit of a fake resolution though in that one because mm-hmm. they ended on on the wedding right ronnie right. getting married and you know right now Ronnie and Johnny ain't even talking to the other four dudes yeah, who just started exactly. RBRM. You know yeah, what I'm saying? There's a beef yeah. over the name New Edition. And, and they showed that for a second, the RBRM thing. They were like, it said, it said Bobby is still doing music. And then it showed like a flash to him performing with them or something. Right. Like so that. there's still beef with them dudes. Like, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, again, Ralph and Johnny somehow own the name New Edition. Yep. Somehow they own it. How Johnny gets in on this, I don't know, but they do. <laughs> and Ralph and Bobby were always best friends, yes. but they ain't even messing yeah. with each other, it seems, right now. So. This is a conflicted group all around anyway, (laughs) and I thought the Bobby, I thought the end on the Bobby joint was funny because it just reminded me of um, the end of the Five Heartbeats. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, you know, we're at a picnic and we're all, you know, like, (laughs) we got, I got my little kid over here performing my old songs and I'm over here reflecting on life. He's doing doing the the, the double pump, the right part. And he's tiny. But I I will (laughs) say what I think is most interesting about it is. You know, really, Bobby has one album worthy of talking about. One. Yeah, true. And this man got a five-hour movie effectively based on one album worthy of talking about. But he, I mean, outside of the new edition stuff, but I mean, yeah. he got put out mad early. You know what yeah. I mean? He had one solo song he, in Telephone he's Man. He's always been a lot album. more than the music. And especially in 2018, right, where music is just a, a, a part of somebody who's a musician's career. Mm-hmm. I think his story is is one that definitely is, oh, is, it's compelling uh, is reflective, is, I read reflective the book. of this. Like, yeah. I read his book. So, yeah. you know, and I love Bobby. Like, so I'm you definitely 
you have fan. to give us the flavor then about i mean i guess do, do you think that they did a decent job of portraying a lot of what was in the book to that end i do think that the movie took heavily from the book mm. like the janet jackson stuff it wasn't a surprise to me that's yeah. in the book he yeah. spends time in the book talking about how throwing her out of hotel room which by the way <laughs> they didn't show i that. went to the um i went to the martha's vineyard african-american film festival okay and, and the bobby brown story the first hour and a half maybe was screening so i saw that so i saw the original <laughs> scene where they we put her out they so had they cut it, was, that out? It, was, it was in the original version what? yes in fact after that joint goes off i i walked out and i meant i told um I told somebody involved with the festival, I, was like, I bet that doesn't make it into the final version. <laughs> like, I bet that doesn't. This is clearly it's not like the, the final version. It's There's like the no John way. Singleton situation with Tupac's mom, where supposedly there was a scene mm-hmm. that was a little suspicious about his mom and some drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And then they took the movie straight out of John Singleton's hands and was like, sorry, we're going to move this over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "There's yeah." I, I knew when I saw it, I was like, there's no way this is making it to. And, and with the money Janet has. They don't want the, the well, she litigation problem. She would have denied if they had a, a, a portrayal of her but getting kicked out been, of a, That book has been out for years, yeah, but though. That's the, just bu- the book. But just the book. I mean, it was a bestseller. It hit the bestseller it list. Wasn't like, on BET, and it wasn't on BT for, saying, for my it, mama to watch. But it's, but it's in there. You know what I mean? I remember when that book dropped, there was mention of. Bob, yeah. You know, Bobby's out here having sex with, with ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, Janet Jackson. There's all, there, the that. cocaine chicken was a big yeah. story. Remember that was and a he, thing. And he talked about that a little. Like he alluded to a lot of those little parts that we heard flashes of out right. of the book. So, but you know, I, I, it, it was there was a lot in the book that I think they try to stay true to. The book was nowhere nearly as skewed as the second half of that story okay. was. Like yeah. Bobby clearly doesn't mess with a lot of people in Whitney Houston's family. Like there's right. a couple yeah. people he's good with, but largely that beef with the family is very real yeah and a lot of the stuff with bobby christina in the book i feel like he took a lot more of the onus and accountability for that mm. for bobby christina's downfall so to speak he definitely put that on, on whitney well on so it's this was another case of bad editing right because mm. in that scene that last conversation that the movie portrays between uh-huh. he and his daughter yeah the way the movie went up until that point i had expected that character to say hey look i wasn't in control of that like I didn't walk out, you know. Your mother took you away from me right, because right. that's the way that they shot it, right? Yeah, that's the way they edited yeah. it. But Yo, then he, he like, never really—he right. just kind of owns it. So I'm like, wait, yeah. so did that happen or did that that yeah, not happen? Yeah. And it sounds like you're saying from the book, the he book, takes more responsibility. I felt like okay. he, in the book, he, I feel like he he talked a lot about how bad he and Whitney were as parents to her. The second half, at least, seems like it was told from Alicia's perspective. Um, yeah, I it, right. it could yeah. be. It so, could I mean, be. from what she saw, she probably was like, "Oh, but Bobby was a great dad." Based on what I saw, <laughs> I do want to say though, um, the first half I watched it, I felt as though the person who was portraying Whitney—I don't know what the actress's yeah, name is—yeah, real Dennis. Was. Okay, she's yeah. also in the. Uh, she's in a lot of stuff. Ooh, she, she's an insecure. She, She's Joe's wife in Insecure, and she's also in uh-huh. Luke Cage as yeah. a doctor. She was on Luke the game. Cage. She yeah. was on the game back in the day. Uh, well, she was, uh, yeah, so. yeah. But but anyway, <laughs> I thought the first half, I was like, I'm not getting Whitney from her. That's fair. I wasn't- Cracked out Whitney. She was in her bag, dog. When she came back on that second part, she came back with a vengeance. She had the voice. She had the mannerisms. I was like, oh, okay. She's in the building. So I, I got to give it up to her for the second half. I think my favorite scene with her was actually the one where Bobby's on the bus and then he's like, yo, she's trying to kill me. She's trying yeah. to kill me. And then they run off onto the farm and the yeah. guy jumps out the door Sorry, with like a shotgun, right? First of all, she actually like kind of looked like she might resemble Whitney in that moment. Okay. But I think the thing about that to me, which was so great, was that like, obviously we had this Bobby Brown story. Like right. Bobby Brown is a really big character. Right. But like Whitney was on a whole oh, other yeah, level. You know, and right. this random dude with a shotgun is like, I don't know album. who you folks are, but is that Whitney Houston? Right, right. <laughs> like, I know her. Yeah, um, considering funny. he didn't even let off a shot beforehand because yeah. Bobby yeah. ain't put the gun down. Bobby had the gun. Yeah. A man's over here with the, with the shotgun. Ricky's like, like yo. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, my, mine would be the opening scene, right? You know, Bobby has the stroke, yeah, and yeah, Whitney yeah. comes in and she's like, "Oh, you breathing?" <laughs> oh, well, well, and then she, wait, well, she the opening out. scene in the hospital, or no, oh, you mean the part two, the second half, the second half, yeah, second half opening scene. Now that's what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. So again, in the first, the first half, I, I felt she did just average. I wasn't, I wasn't right. impressed. Second half, she was on it, and starting from that scene, you know, right there where Bobby's preparing their little situation. Um, he's about to go take it back down and hang out with her, and then he, you know, has the stroke and he's laying there, and she's, 
high out of her mind, just like thinks he's playing or whatever. What did y'all think uh, about his performance, the actor, as Bobby Brown? I don't even know his name. Woody McLean. Woody McLean, yeah. I like him. I, I think he was good. I think he did a good job. I think they shortchanged his ability to perform by not making him look more like older Bobby by the time the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was still he was, he was still 19-year-old looking <laughs> Bobby Brown by the time right. the movie concluded. Yeah. Right. Baby face that, the yeah, whole night. I thought, I thought that was a bit of a bit yeah. of a cop-out. They tried to give him the Bobby Brown jaw for a little while. but And then he, he lost it by and the it end of the movie. And it was in and out, right? It was a little bit <laughs> in and out. You know he had I mean? the jaw so, and it was gone. Um, to that scene you're talking about, yeah. the way the first like six minutes of the second episode opened up were like uh-huh. the most... I'm gonna take this back to Straight Outta Compton real go quick. Ahead, the ahead. way Straight Outta Compton opened, I was like, "Yo, this is like the that's the realest two minutes of yeah. movie I've ever seen in my." I mean, we got tanks like this. I was like, "This is so real." Like, yeah, yeah. I was in the theater watching that. Like, bruh, like that is some real. Like, yeah, wow, yeah, they came yeah. in with a bang. Yep. The second half, the the way that started, I was like, "Yo, I would never do drugs." <laughs> in my life. Like, if you show this to kids, like, yeah, listen, this what it just like. watch the beginning. You got hallucinations. You got Whitney kicking a man on the floor. Just had a stroke. Like. Every bad thing that yeah. that that um who was Ronald Reagan's wife uh-huh. Nancy was trying yeah, to talk Nancy about just, just say oh, no yeah, whatever yeah, like yeah. bro like that literally was your brain on drugs. that's what the Dare program was created it, for. yes that though, that those few <laughs> minutes are literally what the whole point was they were trying to right. figure out how to how to exhibit that yeah and all they needed was those six minutes yeah no they killed that it was sure. that was scary I'm like bro no yeah so overall I guess. What are some of the positives from the film? Like, what are the, some of the things that you thought they executed well? I thought the music scenes were pretty were pretty well done. I didn't think they needed to do full song. Mm. It worked so well with "Can You Stand the Rain" mm. in the New Edition oh, story. Yeah. That's probably yeah. one of the best scenes from yeah. that. Yeah, it, and, and it was totally fabricated, so yeah. it was one hundred percent not true. Okay. Oh, they, I, oh, they, they didn't oh, do that in real life. Hell no, they I, were unable was... to knock that out in one take. It was <laughs> yeah. impossible. And I know this because I listened to Jimmy Jam's three-part Quest Love Supreme episode, oh, I and he's talking. That. He talked he about one. about them about the movie and how much he liked it. It was like, uh-huh. yeah, there was there was. It was hard enough getting all of them in the in the in the studio right. at one time to, to do all that kind of stuff. And so I've, I've never though. seen a situation from the time frame that they were recording that song where it's it's all the yeah. whole group live yeah. like yeah. that. It was, so, I mean, yeah, it was it was dope. It was an awesome it scene. It was fire. Yeah. So I thought the music scenes were good. What uh, about what about Whitney at the funeral though? Which was very authentic and very accurate because yeah. there's a video it, of that. It there's was a video but, of that. It but, was very accurate. But it to was what actually it was Whitney, one of the greatest voices of our generation, yeah. versus what we received. In, well, in yeah, but I mean, listen. Poor Gabrielle Dennis. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're portraying you know I somebody. We, somebody we have a very conflicted opinion of in yeah. terms of the way we, we view her now. I mean, because right. we all recognize one of the greatest, possibly one of the greatest voices of all time. Right. Still, one of the potentially one of the pantheon level crackheads of all time. So you know, it's like. <clears throat> but right. uh, I did. I thought that scene was what was good too. You said her name is uh, Gabrielle Denise? Gabrielle Dennis. Gabrielle Dennis. Is she actually singing in that? That's not her singing, is it? I think it's probably a recording. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming they probably okay. use voiceover actors for... Yeah. You ain't got to use a voiceover actor for Bobby because Bobby could never really sing that well in the <laughs> so first place. That was one exactly. thing I was going to say, right? I thought it, I thought they did a great job of portraying in his performance scenes the way he performs. Yeah. Because yes, when he performs live, he sings a couple bars and he's, he holds the mic out. He might, you know, rap sing a little bit and just say the words. Like, they did a really good job at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it exists. I mean, ultimately, as a fan of New Edition, I love New Edition, so I was really excited for that movie to exist. Yeah. And I was really excited at the reception to it. The response was way bigger than I'm assuming BET thought it was going to be. Probably, yeah. Yeah. It turned into a real movement. Oh, yeah. I think that's what greenlit this one. Like, I think oh, they absolutely. were like, oh, yeah, we, now probably. we definitely will do this movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And we were, when we were talking about the New Edition episode, I said, yeah. you know, they don't really talk about Bobby once he leaves the group. It's only when he comes back you kind of yeah. get him in spurts. And you were saying like, look, oh, he needs they could probably own. do an entire movie just on Bobby, just in that period. Right. And I think that was one of the things that they did well is mm-hmm. in the fact that even though it was kind of annoying not having the complete story in this movie as mm-hmm. well, they did do a good job of saying like, hey, mm-hmm. in that little time period, you know, in the new edition, they're all together, mm-hmm. and then Bobby leaves. Well, if you wanted to know what happens, like we're going to start pretty much right then and there. Because one of the things a lot of people said was they were like, I love the new edition movie, but what about Whitney? Like, why didn't we get to see Whitney? And so here they gave us, boom, Bobby and Whitney, like front and center. We got the reality show, the whole nine. That was that was funny. They did that scene perfect. They did. And they did it. So that's the funny thing about that is I think that's what gives a lot of credence to the things that were in the movie in some parts, because. It's like they pull stuff directly from real life. You know, oh, they, they mm-hmm. didn't even try to play with some of that. A lot of people were like, I don't believe the Janet Jackson stuff. 
I'm like, it's in the book, but you know, then you, but then yeah. people pull up videos of Bobby Brown talking about being in love with Janet Jackson, right. like legit videos it's of him pictures. with Donnie Simpson yeah. from you know Video Soul back in the day. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you yeah, got yeah. you got him sitting talking. So I'm skeptical because of how skewed the second episode was. Yeah. But a lot of the moments in there are probably very true to life. It's just the way they decided to to paint the narrative in the Together. in the grand scale about yeah. him being some. Victim, what do y'all but. think about uh, the absence of Ray J? Did y'all think that they should have put that in the story? In what context does it go? Well, you know, Ray when, J when and Whitney, Whitney died. Apparently, uh, he was Ray one J of the, and Whitney were dating. Um, yeah. around like the time he she was, died. and I correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Ray J. He wasn't there, but he was like there quickly, or was getting yeah, like he, got, he, he was, was like somewhere. The, he on was like the, scene. the first phone call. Eventually, he was. He was, but now nah, he didn't yeah. belong in this movie. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't belong. He didn't I, belong I felt the same way. I think a lot of people, though, were like, yo, how come we didn't see Ray J? And I'm like, well, first of all, the movie's not about Whitney. It's actually about Bobby. Right? It is about Bobby. And secondly, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how they could have done that tastefully. I don't know how they do it tastefully either. I mean, yeah. it's important to get the scene where Bobby is with John and you see his reaction to it to see right. that, you know, he he is broken up about it and, yeah. you know, everyone is affected by this. And then you transition to the funeral mm-hmm. and it's just like you see that contentious relationship between he and his family. It's like, look, you can be here. You know, these, he these called little him, kids. He called him his entourage. Yeah. Like, your, your entourage got, can't yeah. sit here. It's like, wow, really? Yeah, that was a yeah. lot. And I think that trying to insert, I'm not sure how you insert Ray yeah. J in there to the yeah. point where you tell us, the audience, hey, this is Ray J. And you still make it kind of sense because they were yeah. they were doing a lot of things they that were, were kind of loose anyway. And so time. I think that if yeah. you introduce another character, it's just like, you know, at some point, I don't know, things just kind so, of have to make sense. So before we get off this, we, you and I talked a lot. I'm pointing that out law. And I talked a lot about on the new edition episode about Stroh's role, Wood Harris and, and, yeah. and the first in, in the new edition. <sighs> I movie love and, character. And how way. he kind of, you know. Being such a strong actor and doing such a good job, he kind of really was the anchor of the movie. Mm-hmm. How did you guys feel about Makai kind of playing that role? In and the, I knew in you, the, that, that's the, who you're going. Uh, Bobby Brown. I think it was believable. Um, he was consistent. Yeah, he was more of the uh, the flat art character. I think that we probably could have gotten more of him at the end because if you think about it, right, like when he has that argument with his parents mm-hmm. about Bobby not listening, and then he tries to take a, a firm hand with Bobby. And then we see how that relationship dissolves. Yeah. Then it comes back. Then we have the the conversation between Alicia mm-hmm. and Tommy. And after that, we don't really see him again until he's on the phone with Bobby saying, "Hey, like you need to come to the hospital." Right. And so I think that they kind of they kind of did him a disservice a little bit because yeah. it's almost like you said, it's like Alicia seems like she was very much responsible for the second half of the movie right. because she's the one who's kind of guiding Bobby a, a, along. And maybe right. that's the case. But um, I think that his performance is great, particularly in the first part. Um, and he's got some strong dramatic scenes in the second part, but I think that it's just kind of incomplete, if you will. Mm. I don't know. It just kind of feels like it, it got cut off, but that was my take. You might think something different. What are your thoughts, Panama? Honestly, I until you asked, I hadn't thought much about his performance at all. <laughs> like, really? um, I thought he did a good job in the role that he was in, but uh-huh. I never, I didn't think of him any more in, with any more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, whose character, if you will, not necessarily the real life person, but just the portrayal mm-hmm. on screen, which performance, which character did you enjoy more? The the Wood Harris Stroh or the oh, Makai Pfeiffer Tommy? Oh, Wood Harris. I mean, oh, Harris he, he killed that. Right? Yeah, I mean, especially right. yeah. because he's. <laughs> He's playing a dude that he's like a foot taller than, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he did a really good job with it. And I think yeah. they made him more central okay. because, I mean, he's pretty much how the group even comes together. Right. And he's, when things go awry and he gets hurt, everybody cares, right? You yeah. know, like every, right. like there was a real love relationship amongst all of them. So was, I think it was easier to tell that story yeah. because he was so central to who they are as a group, you know, right, like he was, right. and they were little kids when they got together, mm-hmm, right? So right. it's, you know, it's a little different versus, Tommy, who was, you know, Bobby Brown's brother and became his manager and all that stuff, who was there almost lockstep the whole way of his yeah. life. But I don't know that anybody kept Bobby grounded. So I think it was <laughs> yeah, it was the, the difficulty yeah. in trying to be yeah, a grounding that's character that's when fair. there was no real grounding that ever really took place. That's fair. Yeah. Possibly until him and Alicia got together and yeah. it was like all of a sudden he either has some revelation or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. seem like a, a loose cannon for the vast majority of the time that we know him as an actual entertainer. Right. The one thing that they did kind of do well is play into him understanding that, you know, that variability of himself 
as what was appealing to him. You know, what we see the very early in the movie, the scene where he's in Georgia, the cops come, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Then he goes and gets arrested intentionally. And then the next time we see him, his album's double platinum. And he's like, right. see, I told you, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he knew that people, that was what people liked about him. And he really played into oh, it. Oh, he was smart. I mean, I don't I don't take anything away from him. And that's, I mean, look, that don't be cruel when, like, seven times platinum, seven you know what I mean? Platinum, and yeah. Even the album that most of us probably forget exists, the Bobby, the Bobby album. album. It was like three times platinum, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like two, it three. definitely, it was two or three times. It was something yeah. like that. I mean, he sold, but. The other moment that they gave us in the movie where, you know, sometimes you're kind of like, somebody will seem like they're super wayward, but they're almost like a drunken master. Um, the moment where L.A. and Babyface come in and, mm -hmm. and he's looking at them and he's like, these dudes look like some fucking clowns. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to work with them. And then he decides, he says, yeah, I'll work with them, but I'm also going to work with Teddy Riley. Yeah, which and I then, didn't know that Teddy yeah. Riley basically wrote the music to my prerogative. Oh, because he's not listed yeah. in the credits. Yeah, he's not. Oh, yeah. But it's Gene Griffin is in the credits for yeah. uh, for Don't Be Cruel. Because there's all yeah. kind of story. Listen to the Teddy Riley episode of Press Love for Listen. These folks, yeah. these folks be having stories for days. Yo, bro. and Alicia Etheridge is Teddy Riley's baby mama. Right. Yes. right. That's also crazy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, they're, they're, so these R and B niggas, man. Well, the way that they portray that though <laughs> is that I was always under the impression that Bobby Brown just kind of you know got into the studio. They told him what to do, and he did his little performance. Because mm -hmm. at least my impression from the new edition, especially after we talked about that, right. I think that you were saying like there were rumors on how Ralph Tresvan actually had to Sang, sing some, uh, every some little part. step I take. Right, yeah. and so when I hear stories like that, I'm just like, you know, the dude is lazy. It's whatever, right? Like right. when it comes time to perform and be the star, he's there. But when it comes time to actually put the work, I never had right. the impression that he was doing that. But then right. when they actually go through those scenes in the movie, mm -hmm. he's very much like, no, like I have a keen ear about, uh, I have what a very, very uh, specific yeah. idea about what I want to do. I have the vision of the artist that I want to be. I know the sound that I want. I'm going to work with these producers who are doing that. And then we're going to make that sound. So it almost seems like he's very instrumental. But to counter that, right? One, we we did say that this movie is very much yes. skewed towards his perspective. Well, that, I was going to ask, like, what right, was your all's right. take on that? Because the second thing I was going to say is... Um, you look at Lauren Hill, right? Somebody who's now kind of under fire in terms of their public image. She also gave us one album that was entirely her vision that's incredible. Yeah. And then we never got anything else on that level again. And, you know, she's somebody who said, well, it was my vision who that carried that out. But we right. never saw that vision again. Right. So, I mean, you know, that that's something that kind of, I guess, you can use as a counterpoint to the idea that, you know, like they really gave us this. This was all Bobby's vision. And, and Bobby, you know, really like even one scene I really liked as well. He's with Makai Pfeiffer's character and he's looking to get out on the road. And so they say, OK, well, New Edition's got their album out. Your album's out we'll have you open for them. And he's like, mm. I'm going to open for them. I'm going to take this and I'm going to bust their ass every night on right. the road, right? So again, it's like, we saw him in the new edition, you know, movie and it was like, oh, his behavior is problematic. Like he's he's just being an asshole, right. but he doesn't he doesn't know any better. He, that's just Bobby. Right. But then in the movie, he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm intentionally busting their ass every night on the, on the road. So like- Well, which yeah. do you think is the more accurate portrayal? Because that's what I'm kind of curious at. Yeah, because like I said, I had the impression before watching this that you know Bobby Brown was kind of lazy when it came to making the music. It's probably somewhere uh, in the middle. Yeah. You can't do what Bobby did. See, and that's another thing I, I, didn't, I didn't think they did well in the movie. You can't do what Bobby did in life and it just be entirely like just a, 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 a circum, you're a victim of circumstance. And, mm -hmm. and you know, you come from from abject poverty. Right. You know, you you rise above it. You're a part right. of this huge group. The group goes in all kinds and of different directions. He pretty much started it, if you, I'm not mistaken. At least according to the new edition, right. movie, he was the impetus to get everybody together. Right. You know, you, you, so you're a part of that, that move. You guys don't get any money, whatever happens. Happens. Um, the group is kind of in turmoil. You again rise a second time out of that situation and have a solo now career right. where you're also super, you know, uh, popular and successful. Like, I don't think that just happens entirely by chance, personally. I think Bobby was probably more instrumental than we want to give a lot of artists credit for. So, you know, for instance, Janet Jackson probably didn't write. 90% of those right. like Rhythm Nation right but mm -hmm. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were like no we sat down and talked with her and we created songs together it was a unit like it wasn't just some right. you know we got credit for these things but 
you needed that artist to perform this song in order to get it to do what it did, right? Exactly. And I think what well, Bobby would don't be cruel. There was probably a lot of that going on. I mean, you know, Babyface, they brought songs to the table, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some input from him. And I, yeah. I, and I think he wrote my prerogative. I think he actually wrote the lyrics to that. Really? I think so. He's credited he, as writing it. Well, mm. There are some artists that go in there, that go into the studio who are literally just artists. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just go and knock these things out. I mean, I yeah. think early Rihanna would be that, right? right? I think Rihanna later on starts to have a lot more creative input and decisions yep. into what she wants to make yeah. and how that fits her image. And I think she's done a great job of doing that. Yep. Allegedly, Beyonce's written everything she's ever saying, but, you know, it's yeah. probably not true. But... Yeah. But you know, yeah, like you said, I think it's a lot. A lot of that, right? You yeah. you have you have um, L. A. and and Babyface, right? Neither of them ever made any music that's lyric wise sounds like that album, mm-hmm. right? But I think a, a lot of that is like you said, it's them sitting down and having conversations, them having ideas, him having ideas. They showed him doing his little. Uh, new Jack Swing talk it out on the mic situation and they looking at him like yo just sing the song <laughs> and he's like nah trust me like this is what I want to do I think a lot of that vision comes from the artist yeah okay. I agree I think yeah. so any other topics you want to discuss on it or not, not specifically I guess I guess just if you want to talk overall about like your thoughts on the movie you got you guys thought you know thumbs up thumbs down how does this rank in the music movie pantheon of you know all the five heartbeats the temptations the Jackson's American Dream. I still need to watch a lot of those again. Like I haven't yeah. seen them in such a long time, right? Yeah, I mean this movie's not ranking up there with any of those. I mean it's it's not good enough. I mean, above or below the uh, TLC story. I didn't like that. Me neither. Here's my problem with why I think it would be below it. We know too much about Bobby Brown before the biopic yeah. drops. Like yeah. with TLC, we knew their story kind of, but you just don't know all the little uh, stuff about. We like we yeah. weren't as invested in them as individuals as you are with Bobby Brown because he made because he of Whitney his too. Whole because story. like, like they, their yeah. whole life was public, so right. everything right. was was out there. Whereas I feel like with TLC, which uh, forgotten until you mentioned just now, like <laughs> I uh, I don't know that we really knew as much about them. Okay, and I'm yeah. one of them people that devours like music by yeah, like right. like books and stuff like that. Like I yeah. I read I read Jermaine Dupree stuff. Like I read yeah. all these books. Like I read the Quincy Jones book is like a bible for anybody who's interested in like like becoming a successful art. Whatever. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. So I'm into all that, but I just don't think those movies rise to the occasion of stuff like the Temptation movie yeah. was really well done. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that joint was really good, yeah. and I think that's one of the better ones. Yeah, and so it, yeah. it's so good that there's a Temptations movie. There's a play that Otis is part of that I went to go see. This is effectively the movie. You know what I mean? It's like I watched it like this is basically the movie to the, you know, so. I think for me, TLC is like the baseline and and everything else builds on that. But I do agree with you that they're looking at a much more challenging task, especially in the vicinity of Bobby dropping the book. Because like you said, all the bombshells, like I remember when the TLC movie came out and you know, Twitter was alight about pebbles, pebbles, pebbles right. stole their money. Oh, why did he just get Jeeps? That was what everybody was talking about. But all of the moments that we all would have been like, oh my God, about maybe I guess the Janet Jackson was a moment a bit because most people didn't read the book. But most of the, you know, he had sex with a ghost. That wasn't a big deal because we had already heard that. You know, like all the big moments, we just kind of knew too much about Bobby already. I also think that just poor editing in general, right? Yeah. Like it, it depends on what your goal was. You know, one of the things about Straight Outta Compton that they did well, like one of the reasons why that movie works, same thing with Ray, mm-hmm. um, is that they, like I said, like they have a solid character arc that they're that they're portraying in the movie. Mm-hmm. And in this, particularly in this one, they just fail to do that. You know, in, in the new edition story, I actually think that they, they did a good job of it. Yeah. But in this one, they really failed to do that. And instead, mm-hmm. they just went with pivotal moments that we know about yep. and then try to dramat- uh, dramatize them, them as well as they could. Yep. But I think ultimately like it just kind of falls flat. I think if they actually had done it a three part the way they did the new edition movie, we could have gotten part one, yeah. part two, the Bobby Whitney story, and then part three, Alicia could have told us how amazing she is as a <laughs> wife. You know what I'm saying? Like I think them trying to juxtapose Whitney as you know their failing relationship and then Alicia coming in as the as the hero savior in the same part was just really difficult like it was I, I don't think they they rose do, to that challenge. Do we know or, or do either of you know about the nature of that relationship right now Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston's family? 
Like, is there any like recent thing in the news that I need to know about? Well, Be- Bobby's sister came out recently. We 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 just spoke about that and and just denounced everything in the movie. Said Alicia was not cool with anybody in the Brown family. Um, she portrayed herself as wanting to know his kids, etc. All of that was fake, and that she felt the movie, the whole movie, was fake. And she was working with producers to try to come out with her own version of the Bobby Brown story, which okay. we'll never see the light of day. Yeah, that will never. But that will never. Come. The reason why I ask is because <laughs> they did. They made Whitney Houston look so bad that if I were one of her family, I would actually think about suing. Like, I thought that's how bad they made her look. And ma- look, maybe that's Do you that think they accurate. made her look worse than she looked is the question. See, that's the thing. When it comes to some of these pop <laughs> entertainers, right? Like, I don't necessarily care about their lives that much. And so while I'm sure that there's plenty that other people know, like can get invested in, like when I hear some of this shit, like sometimes like I see the headline and I go about my day because I right. really just don't fucking give a shit. Sometimes I do. Whitney Houston is one of those artists where I didn't. So yes, I knew about the drugs. I knew about some of the bad stuff, but I didn't mm-hmm. get into any of the details. Yeah. And so I just I was like, well, you know, she's a star. Like mm-hmm. sometimes that happens right, to her. Right. I didn't think anything of it, but like this, I mean, they make her look like a really immoral, bad person. Like mm-hmm. not just a person who has shortcomings. They made Bobby Brown look like he had shortcomings. They make her look bad. And I was just like, wow, like that's like really, really harsh on Wendy. But but maybe it's accurate. Or maybe yeah. I'm being too sensitive to it. The like, funny thing about that is I said that on Facebook. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. man, they really got Whitney looking bad out here. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, but the comments that were under that were, she made herself look bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They were making her look any worse than she was actually out here looking like. So, people she, are very hard on Whitney now. She like, was, people. She was looking bad. You know, like the, yeah. the, the public, whatever you call it, the public perception of Whitney is definitely yeah. one of. She was as much of a loose cannon as him. Like, she was just and, a, basically a druggie who had a, a gift from up above that... She just seemed like a... I mean, she had a beautiful voice. She had a beautiful... Be, she was beautiful. One of the, one of the um, greatest And, and so I think, like they said a lot in the movie, like, it just seems like at a certain point in time, the public just made her the golden child. Yeah, we got really snowed entirely. And eventually, yeah. the real Whitney showed up and, you know... We, and so, in a way, their idea of the being Bobby Brown situation as an idea worked, right? Because it was like, Bobby had this terrible image and it was like, Bobby's this terrible person who's dragging down this angel. And then the show opens up and then now we kind of get to see that it's a little more equally yoked than we thought it was at least. I I think that they actually had an opportunity that they missed. Like they kind of hit it a little bit, Mm -hmm. but they actually could have made a very, very serious movie out of those themes right so the two that we're going to work with with bobby is one his general insecurity right right? the idea that since he's always been since he's always been bobby since he's been growing up he always had this idea that he wasn't shit he was never going to be shit everyone Mm. told him he wasn't going to be shit right and so then when he gets put on they're still telling him he ain't shit. Mm. Uh, the Janet Jackson thing kind of goes into play there. He's yeah. not good enough for the Jackson family, yeah. right? Yo, they shit it on my man DeBars, though. But hold on. But, but, <laughs> I'm but, sorry, go but, ahead. <laughs> so I think that there's some common themes here. And then we get it a little bit, particularly in the last uh, real in-depth heart-to-heart conversation with Whitney when he says it like, look, I ignored all of this shit because I thought mm-hmm. you had my back mm-hmm. and I had your back, right? So I think that had they stuck really with that theme and then on the Whitney side, they could have stuck with the idea that they, hi- they highlight a little bit, but mm-hmm. they don't really go in-depth. The idea that, look, everyone thinks that she's a princess and she's not. And that's one of the reasons why Bobby was able to connect with her because he saw her for for who she was. Mm. But I think that had they focused on those two themes Mm. and made a more solid movie around that, we actually could have had something really, really good. But they wanted to get all these other little moments in there. And I understand why they did that. Like, it's a a made-for-TV movie. And it's on BET. And it is on BET. But I I do think, though, that they would have had the chance to do something really, really good Mm. um, if they they highlighted that. Because that's something that on a human level, like, anyone can see that and can Mm. be able to connect with those characters and learn something that's real but again i don't know that viacom bet necessarily puts together things that way but for a more theatrical release it would have been you know i love my cinema you know i love (laughs) tv so i'm thinking about these things what we're talking about though is true like that would actually be a great movie but again i think it would be a lot more cinematic and it would Mm -hmm. revolve around themes that any human can connect with i don't think viacom bet is trying to make a movie that any human can connect with it ends up being too much artsy of a film they try to give us the salacious detail that yeah. we know because you start uh, digging into who Bobby Brown really was as a person and all that yeah. stuff and I, I honestly don't think anybody cares like I don't know <laughs> that anybody would 
is signing up to see Bobby Brown as a real human being. I think we want to see see Bobby Brown on stage and see his relationship with Whitney more. Because, yeah. listen, again, we didn't really learn much about him in this movie. Nah. You know, the Janet Jackson stuff was new for a lot of people, but most of it isn't that new. Yeah. Maybe, Up until Alicia, maybe, maybe everybody yeah, doesn't really Alicia's realize that he's got more ba- he's got a, you know almost a yeah. brand new baby with her you know like, yeah. like he's they still got out three, here making kids, kids. Yeah, he's still out here making children or whatever yeah. so that's that's interesting but I think maybe for what I'm talking about it would have worked better with Whitney as the main character um, mm. with a strong emphasis on Bobby you mm. know what I mean like he's not a side character he's definitely involved but I don't know that's just my artistic brain working so, so yo uh, whoever whoever got the seed money my man outlaw <laughs> over here he's working on a screenplay please uh He's got a Patreon page. <laughs> nah, but uh, okay. I, I mean, I think we can wrap it up. I think we, we pretty much covered this movie. Any last thoughts before we do? I think it had its shortcomings. I did mm-hmm. enjoy it. There's a lot of little things that we can nitpick about. Yeah. But I do want to ask the question, do you think we're going to get more of these movies? And if so, like, who's the next one that you want to see? I don't think this movie helped. You don't think um, this movie that, helped? I, I, don't, I, think, I think, you know, uh, New Edition Story definitely pushed us in that direction. I don't think Bobby Brown's story continued to push us in that direction personally. I don't know. What do you think? I think it did, actually. I think that the reception was probably pretty substantial. And as a company, my guess is that's what they're looking for. Like, whether it was good or not probably is irrelevant. Um, (laughs) Whether it exists and people watched it um, is probably more. We'll probably get another one put up on the the, the court board. Who do you think's next? Uh, That is a good question. I hope it's somebody did. Um... (laughs) I have to agree. <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is, I actually just wrote an article about biopics that I would like to see. Yeah. Like, I'd love to see one on Donny Hathaway. Like, I'd really love uh, to see okay. one on Donny because I think yeah. that he's from uh, DC, right? Or he no, went he's to from St. Louis, but he went to Howard. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, from, yeah. He's from, yeah, he's from he's from St. Louis. But okay. um, I would love to see I love to see one on Donny or or Phyllis Hyman. Like, you know, you know these kind of troubled souls who I want to see Roger Troutman. That would be interesting because Roger Troutman kind of gave us the way music on the West Coast sounded for the next 20 years. I just think it would just really be interesting. And he's like, you know, kind of an eccentric guy. You're t- we're talking about during the disco era. So, I mean, Katz is, is dressing funny and they all on drugs. I, I think it would be like a really interesting biopic. Yeah. I think um, I'm going to get artistic here. Okay. Right. But I think the one I would actually want to see is, is Michael Jackson. But I would focus mm. on a very specific timeline. The timeline I would focus on is essentially the entire um, the the molestation case, right? Mm. But I've heard, I've seen some podcasts, and maybe some of y'all have as well. Basically, about how a lot of that stuff was um, he was taken advantage of, and that a lot of the mm. things that about him molesting kids like never really happened, right? Assuming the podcast that I heard was accurate, okay, right? And he didn't actually do these things. I think what that, things are you talking about? Like sleeping in the bed with kids. He slept in a room with kids, right? But okay. it's like Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin said, it's like, look, his room is huge. Mm. So it's like there's several different beds in, in the room, right? There's a podcast that, that I might share that you might want to listen to. It's, okay. it's, it's interesting. But assuming that he actually didn't molest anybody and that he mm-hmm. was taken advantage of, mm-hmm. I think that story, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll have to listen to this podcast, it would actually be very interesting because you could talk about a character. It basically be a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But you would talk about a character who, you know, he's people trying to take advantage of him Mm -hmm. um and you know he has trust issues but then to see how when it all unravels like Mm -hmm. the life kind of fall apart i don't think Mm -hmm. it would ever happen because we don't want to look at michael jackson that way but i just think from an artistic cinematic point of view i think it would be so it would pick up after the jackson's in american dream American it would it would pick up um basically like like 92 whatever that's yeah yeah, Yeah. it would it, it would pick up basically um after bad, after wait, when did the Dangerous uh, was ninety one, I think. Yeah, or, so it'd be pick up like a, after Dangerous, right? Yeah, and then you could do your flashbacks here and there. Um, Alive, I'm going Mary, Mary J. Blige. Um, I think that would be a crazy. Just her her story in Yonkers, and then her relationship with Casey, all the way. Uh, so that one, uh, Jodeci. Yeah, yeah, they'd be interesting. Be, to see. It'd be cra- the Death Row era of Jodeci. You know, I think theirs would be crazy. I think. We got a Timbaland book, but Missy. Mm, 
I think Missy would be crazy. I'm trying to think if there would be a lot of drama there. But for these made for TV movies, they kind of give us tidbits that we kind of already know about. Yeah, and with right. Missy, like we like we kind of know she wrote like a lot of these real big records that yeah. we love. The music would be great. Music would be great. Um, it would be her producing. We would get to see some of the stuff she produces because she doesn't get half the credit for all the stuff she's produced. Mm-hmm. Her story is obviously an incredible story coming from Portsmouth. Um, I, I think that that would be a really Dude, dope Chuck story. Brown. Chuck Brown, oh, needs Chuck to, Brown would be great. And, and yeah. you know, for some of these individuals, the reason why I want to see a biopic about them is their contributions were so significant, but the greater public doesn't really get it. You know, like yeah. Chuck Brown in DC here is like, yeah. yeah, you know, this man got parks and murals right, and everything. Right. Like it's 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 the bedrock of a community. You know yeah. what I mean? And Roger Troutman, I think, would be good for that because. Right. I think it would renew people's interest in who they were. Like right. if, yeah. if, if it's done right, you know, yeah, you do yeah, these right. things right. But yeah. you know, same thing with like Donnie. Like that's mm-hmm. why I think that he's such, everybody listens to Donnie every year. And even if they don't know in this Christmas, that right, they hear right. the song yeah. literally for like two months straight <laughs> and whether you want to or not. And yeah. I don't think most people know his story. Right. I what, don't know. What about group, group wise Hitman? Because a lot of the the the, the beginning would murder everybody before that came out, <laughs> probably. But their be but, but their beginnings on on Howard's campus, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. like us seeing Puff as the party promoter, you know, killing it in DC. Because a lot of people don't you know know about that era of Puff and we, Uptown we and everything. He's dead for that, <laughs> we might have to. Well, yeah, that's gonna, I, I don't know. The only he, thing I, I I would like to see, uh, and I mentioned this when we did the All Eyes on Me, is an actual series on Tupac. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah. I think that if you did a series on him and you could talk about yeah. different you know, phases of his life yeah. and then try to tie it all together, sure I think that would corny. be corny. I like something like that about Mount Vernon yeah. in New York. I mean, think oh, Heavy D, Pete Rock. Like, you know, there's a yeah. lot of stuff that happened in Mount Vernon. Even Puff was originally Mount Vernon, you right, know what I mean? Right. Like, mm-hmm. somehow hip-hop mattered in, like, these... Yeah. Like, the Heavy D story would probably be really, really interesting. Yeah. Be, yeah. You know, just leading up to... Because that, in, that involves everybody. That involves yeah. Premier. That involves right. Pete Rock. That involves... Uptown that involves like all these yeah. players in the early hip hop scene. Same you know with Long mean? Island. <clears throat> yeah. Like, you know, uh the EPMDs and the um De La Souls and everybody who kind of came from that area. I the think public enemy. Yeah. I, I think like the like these suburbs of New York City and like they're they're you could actually do like a series where it's like you do Mount Vernon one one and you do, you know, Long Island another one. I don't know, Queensbridge, you know, like and just yep. kind of give us all these neighborhoods. That would be that would be crazy. So anyway, anyway well, all right, we we maybe, we take it away. No, that's cool. <laughs> Hopefully, someone can put some of these together because it sounds like there's a lot of good content that we could get on screen. Yeah, just get us. We'll, we'll take like a one percent, you know, just <laughs> just for our troubles, and and you guys can run with the ideas. So right. so that should wrap it up for the Bobby Brown BET series. Yes, sir. Uh, Panama, thank you for joining. Yes, well, sir. Uh, definitely, we 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 got a we got a quarterly uh, on the way as well. So. Check that out. Yeah, check that out. Peace.